Greetings, sits and sibs. You're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This episode is 42 and was recorded on October 11th and made available for download on October 14th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. And I'm Justin. Yes, unfortunately, Tony has been kidnapped by goblins, and as oh, a result, he's... Uh, well, oh, uh, my mistake. I've been informed that those are actually Tony's children. Um, either way, our illustrious co-host is absent this week, but as Justin did such a good job filling in for me, we thought he'd let him sit in Tony's seat. So, what have we got this week, Justin? In this week's Squawk Box, we learn just how dark Britain can be. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening in the UEE, including the weekly crowdfunding update, the latest letter from the chairman, the new Cutlass variants, and the latest news from CitizenCon 2014. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk about the most American of topics, freedom, a whole six degrees of it. And finally, we tune in to the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and says we're always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love. But we do look great on a CV or a resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After nearly a year of clockwork releases, trips to Austin and LA, and the occasional detour into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to set that hat out on the pavement. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that the folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Standby broadcast, standby broadcast. This is Lennon saying, welcome to the squawk box, everyone. If Netflix has taught me anything, it's that colors are not quite as simple as one might think. One minute, we're being told orange is the new black, and then the next minute, Parks and Recreation are telling me that there are different shades of black. Obsidian, Onyx, Midnight, Lost Soul, Rolling Blackout, Sleeping Panther, and Void by Armani. And of course, we here at Guard Frequency have our own shade of black, the Deep Black. While it turns out that no matter what shade of black you prefer, it's about to get a whole lot blacker. Avid listener and donator to the show Grim Craig sent us in an article that he thought might be interesting to other sits and sieves. Scientists working right here in Britain at Surrey Nanosystems, working in conjunction with the National Physics Laboratory and ABSL Space Products, have created a new super dark material that absorbs so much light that you can't even tell if it's been crumbled or folded. And I'm serious, there's not even a hint of light in that. It's so incredibly dark and still, it's like the creators of the universe just forgot to paint a patch. Either that or someone's used the fill tool in MS Paint just a little too well. To quote Ben Jensen, the firm's chief technical officer, you expect to see hills and all you can see is it's like black, like a hole. There's nothing there. It just looks so strange. 
Named Vanta Black after the material's microstructure, Vanta, standing for Vertically Aligned Carbon Nanotube Array, it works by packing together a field of nanotubes so tight that light particles cannot get into them, although they can pass into the gaps in between. Once there, however, all but a tiny remnant of the light bounces around until it's absorbed, and holy crap does it do a good job. This material, straight from the soul of every emo kid from John O'Groats to Land's End, is so dark it can absorb a whopping 99.965% of the visible light that hits it, beating the previous world record holder that was only able to absorb a paltry 99.960%. But light absorption is just the beginning. According to Surrey Nanosystems, it's also able to absorb 98.85% of the infrared radiation it encounters, and its construction is durable enough to head into space with the satellite missions, where it can help calibrate those super-sensitive infrared cameras used by Spitzer to make those awe-inspiring photos of distant galaxies. So, gents, there you go, a material that's blacker than black. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> well, I, I find it quite interesting. So does that mean we're going to get a, a new uh, class of ninjas? Wow, you would think so. I mean, if they all dress in black and this thing can absorb 99.965% of all light. I find the science behind it very, very cool. I mean, I'm sure there's 100,000 applications that you could apply to this. I'm just wondering what they are. <laughs> I want to paint my uh, stealth hornet with this stuff on it. I mean, that's the thing. You could, yeah, I guess in theory, if you were to paint stealth bombers with this and it can absorb various different types of radiation, not just light, then, yeah, you might be able to create a stealthier stealth bomber with this. Well, I, I could uh, wrap my car in it, and that way not only would I not be seen on the road, which uh, that in itself is hazardous, but the laser speed traps wouldn't catch me either. Yeah, right, because there'd be no reflection. Just think, Jeff, you can get away with traveling at least 40 in a 30 zone. Exactly. It would be amazing, <laughs> although a little bit life-threatening, you know. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Then be like Grimcrag and send an email to skork at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's check out some CIG news. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, check your screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for the 11th of October is $57,663,000. That's $2 million in a week. We thought last week it was impressive when we jumped a million in a week, but it looks like that those concept ship sales are definitely working. 617,000 plus citizens and 473,000 members of the UEE fleet. A 7k jump in citizens and an 8k jump in members, meaning that roughly a thousand existing citizens purchased extra ships this month. Hmm, wonder what that might have been. Despite a 2 million jump, we only have one letter from the chairman currently, where everyone who's back before the $56 million goal will be getting a J-SPAN Cryostar cooling system for Arena Commander. We also find out that the first Wave 4 ships we'll be getting is the MISC Endeavor class research platform, which is described as the company's most prestigious ship. A dedicated research platform capable of carrying a dozen different space science packages. This makes her perfect for use by individuals as a research station, the UEE as a hospital ship, or on the darker side of the verse, where it's been known to be used for everything from narcotics production to black market surgery. We can now vote on the 58 million stretch goal ship. RSI has removed the poorest performing option, the salvage tug, and voting is now open. Another chance for you all to vote for a search and rescue ship. Oh, yeah. I mean, on last episode, Jeff, was the first thing he wanted to go was a passenger liner. I'm like, no, that's just that's too much fun. I want to be able to go pick up passengers, hire entertainment staff, the NPCs, 
as entertainment staff you you hire increases the revenue when you're flying through space as long as you don't get shot up too much by pirates it sounds like a lot of fun of course just because they're not in wave four doesn't mean they won't be in the game right right when i saw the narcotics production the first thing that i thought of was uh somebody has to do a remake of breaking bad but in engine <laughs> yeah nice the Cutlass has been unshackled. As described on the RSI website, the Cutlass is a true jack-of-all-trades ship with a space to expand for a multitude of combat and support roles. The Cutlass isn't just for pirates seeking to carry away their treasure. They can be outfitted with everything from law enforcement to search and rescue. Hmm, is that our new search and rescue variant? Now available in black, red, and blue, the Cutlass does seem like a versatile vessel. So if you'd written it off for a vessel for pirates, it might be time to give it another look. But not too closely. The black is a low-cost and easy-to-maintain solution for local militia units. Or, of course, pirates. The blue is a tougher version of the Cutlass for commerce interdiction and to support advocacy operations. Yeah, commerce interdiction. (coughs) Piracy. (coughs) Finally, the Cutlass Red is a Drake-dedicated ambulance, complete with onboard medical facilities and a whole heap of search and rescue gear. Hmm, I'm going to take another look at that one. This kind of really caught my attention because I never considered that when they would be doing variants of the Cutlass, that one of them would become a search and rescue medical facility. I, I You know, Lennon, I'm with you there. I, I was hoping for a game where I buy a chassis, much like I would buy a car, and then pick my options from a list of options that I would want. But, do we um, know though? Can you buy a base cutlass and then you know do you do whatever you do pirating or whatever? And then oh now I can afford the hospital module and then you just take it in. You know, Justin, I don't know. I really don't know what the plans are. When I look at the ship buys and I see these the Aquila and the Taurus and the Phoenix, I see them as finished ships and that there's no downgrade or upgrading them unless you do, of course, a purchase of the whole package. I know there's been lots of conversation on my feelings on the whole what we're paying for kind of thing. But again, I, I don't know if this is the proper way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine that what they're doing here is the variants that are being produced there, obviously certain things like the search and rescue and the advocacy operations, we can't do that in Arena Commander, so naturally this is being sold for the final persistent universe. So I'm hoping, kind of much like what you were saying there, Jeff, that this is just a series of starter gear. So if you're like, oh, I want to start as an ambulance, then you would buy a Cutlass Red over a Cutlass Black, for example, because you kind of know that's where you want to go, so you get that as like a kickstart. But I really hope that when we do get into the Persistent Universe that there's going to be nothing to stop you taking a Cutlass Black and upgrading it to become a Cutlass Red, even if you can't, you know, paint job aside, it's the the internals that matter and, and what they can do. So yeah, I would really hope that we would be able to buy a chassis and provided that there's enough things like the power plants the right size and so forth that you'll be able to outfit pretty much any ship to do any job is just that someone naturally be suited better to doing particular tasks well and, and i think that goes more to my point i mean we, we're buying these ships because we believe that we'll be taking them into the persistent universe well the game's supposed to be as realistic as possible right so I have a friend, he took a Ford Probe and made it look like a Dodge Viper. So if you can do that in the real world, why can't you make your one ship just change the gear inside and re- redo it so it looks and does obviously more function here than just making it look different, but it's the future. He took a Ford Probe and turned it into a Dodge Viper? At, he, at least he looked like medical one. attention. <laughs> well, no, he just made it look like it, but he didn't want to have the all the engine... <laughs> <laughs> wearing out issues of an actual dungeon. Yeah, I know. So, 
The black, red, and blue variants are now available, priced at 115, 135, and 165 respectively. However, the blue variant is a limited time sale and will only be available until October 20th. So if you want one, be sure to grab them over at the pledge store. And I'd like to reiterate, I accept gifts. You're not the only one. Happy birthday, Star Citizen! Woohoo! October 10th marks the second anniversary of Star Citizen, and like last year, the crew at CIG celebrate with CitizenCon, a great look back at where the dream started in 2012, through 2013 and the release of Arena Commander, and of course, a look into the future of Star Citizen. So there was a lot of good stuff that came out of this. The Twitch stream has been recorded, and we will have links in our show notes if you guys didn't catch it. The first thing I noticed was pretty much everyone, when they're talking about what they're most excited about, was multi-crew ship. Everyone was like, multi-crew ships, that's what we want to do next, multi-crew. So I think, obviously, we have the SPS, Jeff's favorite, coming out at uh, PAX Australia, but I think everyone's just really looking forward to multi-crew ships. I also noticed that Squadron 42 got pushed off into the first quarter of 2015, not unexpected mm-hmm. by me, even though it was promised by a fourth quarter of 2014. I think that was promised yeah. asterisk. Yeah, well, just to quickly run down their roadmap, they said that by year's end, we should have a lot of improvements to Arena Commander that version 1 will be launching by the end of the year. And Chris says, and I, I quote, no, you're not going to get an exact date from me. I've learned my lesson. Good to hear that, Chris, really. And version 1 of Arena Commander will come with a lobby system, major improvements to Broken Moon and Dying Star. They've increased the map sizes, the assets, the lighting, everything. There's going to be big improvements to the New Horizon Speedway, major improvements to missile and countermeasure systems. They're actually implementing a new signature system where you'll be able to switch off various parts of your ship to reduce your footprint and make it look like you're just a piece of space debris to make it so that missiles can't get a lock onto you. Along with that, they're also doing proximity warning improvements, major improvements to spectator and cinematic cameras, new weapons and ship parts, and some leaderboard improvements. Now, the countermeasures system, um, not something that I thought would be coming in version 1 of Arena Commander, but I'm really glad to see it's in there. Yeah, because right now, missiles are great against AI and mostly useless against players, unless they're out of flares, because I never get hit by a missile in multiplayer. Because as soon as I hear a thing, I hit my flare and I don't get hit. So it'd be nice if it was a more interesting system. Well, I also think that we're playing with one set of missiles only unless you've got a missile rack in your hangar and you preload it. But I suspect that there'll be other improved missile systems in the Persistent Universe in which they'll get smarter and smarter at the cost of damage or, you know, some other attribute. Like guns, different missiles will do different things, including torpedoes for making those run on those carrier vessels. That reminds me, a mine layer was mentioned, and I was listening to Star Signal, and they were wondering if mines were going to be less just a mine that sits there, but more of a dormant torpedo that sits there until it, oh, a bad guy locks on then shoots after him. Because in space, a stationary mine is less useful than something that can move. So I can do the Galaxy Quest thing and and drag a bunch of mines behind me and then do a a full 180-degree turn (laughs) and and, uh, plant those mines into a carrier vessel. Yeah. All right. You say that the Drake Cutlass commercial, which was something that else that came out in the CitizenCon. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's a really great little video. There's a, we finally get to see a Vandal pilot, and to top it off, the Vandal pilot gets flipped off by the Cutlass pilot <laughs> as they pass. And what happens in this video is the Vandal fire a load of missiles locked onto the Cutlass. The Cutlass flies out a bit, does a quick 180, flies back through, and then, yes, plows the missiles straight into the Vandal pilot. Now, I know that it's a commercial 
special and there's a little bit of artistic licensing going on there. But if CIG can picture that sort of thing happening, I would hazard a guess that they would probably make it so the systems are at least able to do that if you're incredibly skillful. Anyway, to continue on with their roadmap, later in the year we should be seeing the FPS module at PAX. And then in early 2015, we should see the launch of the FPS module, which is going to be good news. Followed on from there, we're going to see the Planetside Social module launch, and then Arena Commander 2.0, which is the multi-crewed ship combat, which I know everybody here is looking forward to. And if the comments on Reddit and the live stream were anything to go by, that's the next big thing that everybody wants. After that, it'll be Squadron 42 Chapter 1. Like Jeff was saying, it's been postponed until what appears to be quarter four of next year. And and then finally, we're going to be getting Planetside, which will expand into Persistent Universe Alpha. That's scheduled for late 2015. And guys, I take it you saw the Persistent Universe Planetside landing demo in the last few minutes of the live stream. Uh, what are your thoughts? Amazing. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, yeah, first I'll be I was an like, old man by the time this game gets to the, my console. <laughs> to your console? Wow, you might have a bit of a long wait there, Jeff, because they said that uh, they're having to recode the CryEngine as well. Basically, they're having to recode it from a 32-bit code base to a 64-bit code base in order to allow the multi-crewed ship combat to work effectively because when you get to certain points, they were saying that you've got so many moving parts within very close proximity that the numbers just drift by a few decimal points and it causes the whole system to unravel. Just jumping back to the Persistent Universe Planetside landing demo, just watching this just totally renewed my excitement for the game. I mean, I was pretty stoked about it anyway. Heck, I'm part of a podcast about Star Citizen. But seeing this just made me, it just brought back everything that I wanted this game to be when I signed up. And everybody seems to talk that, oh, you know, what Chris is trying to do, it's really ambitious. He's over-promising. He'll never be able to do it. And yeah, I'm guilty of this as well. But having seen this, I'm fairly convinced that every single thing that he said we'll be able to do in-universe, he is actually going to go through with and we are definitely going to get you be able to uh, take on your own ship your own jobs you're it's more of a persistent universe a living world than it will be an mmo and yeah so excited about it. everything from being able to walk around inside your spaceship through being taken down through the atmosphere into area 18 of the city walking around on the base i mean the whole thing was just beautiful from start to finish yeah i wasn't expecting to see that this soon well i'm excited like we said, late 2015, my money... Well, I guess my money is actually on mid-2016 at the earliest, really. I reckon that there'll be a few delays. But really, if you look at where this is going, this really is more than just a space simulator. This really is a, a universe simulator. And did you see the part with Tony Zervik talking about the missions where, you know, most yes. MMOs are go talk to the guy with the exclamation mark above the head. Then you go run over here, kill these five things, come back to the guy. Oh, go kill those five things, come back to the guy. Well, here it'll be more like you go get a distress call so you go help this guy who's getting attacked by pirates. And, but you don't kill one of the pirates. Interrogate him mentions oh our base is over here so then you can get your friends and go to that base over there and then you find some information there about where all their weapons are stored so then oh we can go over there and try to steal the pirate weapons so it'll be more of a progression of a story as opposed to just back and forth it's not necessarily a mission because sure we took the first thing but then it's a clue as to another place you can go. You don't have to. You can say, oh, I don't want to go to Pirate Base. I'm going to go back here and go pick up some other mission. So it doesn't sound like, to me, it's you have to do all these things to get the reward at the end. Because you'll get your reward from rescuing the guy. He'll give you whatever. 
Like, oh, here, have some cargo or whatever. But then you go to the pirate base and you shoot all the pirates and then you get information and whatever salvage from there. But if you at any time leave to go do something else, you could maybe sell that information. Like, oh, I don't want to go to this cache of pirate weapons. There's pirates there. But I'll sell this to this organization I like because they'll be able to go take out the pirates. And then you've made your reward of selling the information. Finally, in our news roundup, in case you haven't logged into Arena Commander for a while, until October 17th, you can test drive all the Arena Commander ships. When you log in and start Arena Commander, you'll see all five ships available. The Hornet, 300i, Aurora, M50, and the 350R. So make sure you don't waste this opportunity to trial all the ships currently available. I actually tried that today, and I couldn't get in a public match with an M50. I don't know if it was because I was trying the M50 or just because I couldn't get in a match. But I was able to fly it in single player. And a minute 20 and 37 hundredths, whatever those are, that's my record you can try to beat on old Vanderval. Awesome. I've not tried the M50 yet. I jumped into the 350R. It's very nimble. Yeah, at least if your engines are fully powered. If I had all powered engines and... I was able to stop almost immediately. And this week's community question, CitizenCon. Your hopes, your dreams, your disappointments, we want to hear them. Let us know by commenting on this week's show post on GuardFrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at RobertSpaceIndustries.com. But now it's time for news we didn't use. The 890 Jump is still on sale. Get yours while you can. Departments and Divisions in this week's Law Builder, Issue 17. All you lucky subscribers get a new piece of hangar player, the M50. The work-in-progress gallery for the Constellation variants are now available for your viewing pleasure. Datacache Skyophasius, where a harmless leak was actually a cipher wrapped in an enigma covered in secret sauce. And 10 for the Chairman, episode 40, featuring salvaging kamikaze auroras and hijacking mission objectives. Now that we're all cut up with the latest CIG news, let's learn all about freedom in this week's Nugget for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, sits and sieves, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the details from the inside out. A warning up front, this game is still in active development, so anything we say is subject to change. With six degrees of freedom in the game, it adds depth of control at the press of a key, a second joystick, or even a hat button, as the case may be. The tight turns and small spaces on the race courses can be better handled by removing all weapons power and boosting your engines. Press 2 and 3 simultaneously to move all power to shields and engines, or just hold 2 to put all the power in your engines. Naturally, you can use the keys to adjust your power to your personal preference. We won't judge. In addition to this, however, the strafing keys, default Q and E, and RF move you right and left, up and down respectively. This allows you to point at the checkpoint and move around objects to be lined up to hit the throttle and blast right through the ring. Be careful though, there are a lot of antennae and other objects you can impel your ship on if you're not watching very closely where you're going. If you're strafing down, be sure that you know what's below you, otherwise you'll be earning yourself a golden ticket to Respawn City. 
strafing can save you from colliding with antenna, ledges, apartment buildings, or other small objects. If you realize there's something in your path, it might be better to strafe around it than to change your entire direction. It's also great to get you lined up to go through the checkpoint rings. Be sure to get a good feel for your thrust, and not only because that's what she said. A small adjustment from your thrusters can push you right into the path of victory, but too much can send you off course and causing the race announcers to wonder just who let you get behind the stick. If you do make a fool of yourself and crash, be sure you readjust your power settings as they reset to default each time you respawn. Frustrating, but it is a good excuse for the next time you crash. You can blame it on forgetting to adjust your power settings. I did not know that. I did that not know that would either. explain it. Yeah, yeah, because um, like it handles so nice. Crash! Oh, what are you hitting everything? With my um, SciTech, uh, I've got my strafing keys. There's a four-way underneath my index finger on my throttle, so I can quickly do those adjustments, the QERF, which make it really nice and easy to remember. But the power settings, I'm constantly yelling at my voice attack to all power to engines. and <laughs> Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, and it makes sense as well because Comstab resets every time you respawn so and i always make sure i talk about that i just never gave my power settings a thought and i think you've possibly just helped me go from crashing all the time to crashing all the time because i'll still forget to do it <laughs> yeah it makes a huge difference even my 300 i because you don't need your weapons power in the race at, at the moment yeah at the moment so that would be interesting you you don't have weapons power and then you get the bonus that lets you shoot for a little bit because i hear that's a thing and then if you forget to give yourself weapons power you'll just bother their shields and that's all but will there be a blue shell that is the question it'll probably be some sort of missile i'd imagine the blue missile uh, but now you have anti-blue shell coming don't you with the signature system that they're implementing Ooh. so i'm going to take some of this on board i mean strafing is something that i tend to do a lot in the vandal cooperative mode but in the racing i've never really done it that much and to be honest i'm not entirely too sure why in the m50 i didn't have to do it as much because right. it just handled really good. But in my 300i, I can turn sharp, but it still slides quite a bit. Whereas I could kind of power slide around a corner, then strafe the opposite way just so I don't keep going. Or you can also just turn and then strafe instead of going straight. So you kind of slide around a building or whatever. That might have made more sense if you could see my hand motions. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Jeff? Have you done much racing in Arena Commander? I have until until something freaks out and causes my ship to go backwards when it should be going forward. So there's <laughs> something wrong with the joystick code that I get after playing it a while. It doesn't happen every time. I'm also working from a, a slowly degrading gaming PC, which I've just acquired replacement parts for that causes the USB to drop and whatnot. So I suspect that once I get my new rig up and running or my rebuilt rig up and running again, things will be much better. One thing I have always been tempted to try is to race upside down and just see if that makes much of a difference because with the six degrees of freedom, you've got the ability to, well, literally move in any of the six directions. And I just thought it would add a bit of an extra challenge. Well, I, I thought with my tracker IR, I can turn my head and look behind me. So I was thinking about flying the course backwards. Well, that's that's true. We could start a whole new league here, gents. Uh, it does matter as far as upside down, because when I was trying the M50, because it's so fast, I kept blacking out. Whereas if I was going sideways instead of up and down, I blacked out less. I don't know if this is a bug. Uh, I was going to look it up. But when you black out completely, your, your controls don't work. I would assume that's because you blacked out. But there's a point where you start to be able to see again, but your controls still don't work. 
and then eventually they start working but it seems like maybe the timing's off because I feel like if I can see I should be able to move and if I can't see then that of course if I'm blacked out I can't adjust the controls right yeah so it's kind of like your character's coming too yeah it just feels off because I'm like I can see mm-hmm. then I'm gonna hit this but my controls are moving are you new to the verse need a bit of advice is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sib taught you that we all should know let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! From our show post at guardfrequency.com, Sean Newboy writes, Love the episode, everyone. As for procedural generation, I'm conflicted. Landmark has had the problem with phallic billings, but on the other hand, it would be nice to have people able to design some of the scenery. From Squawk at GuardFrequency.com, Ben Thompson writes, Hey, this one goes to Jeff. It's a real wake-up call that CIG's recent sales have caused you to be so upset, especially when it's obvious that you care a great deal about this game and its community. CIG, take note. When your most dedicated fans, podcasters, are starting to question your monetization practices, maybe it's time to pump the brakes. When you sell an Aurora for 30 bucks and an Idris for 1000 to 1200 you create a scale by which the backers attempt to discern their relative worth. And the price of the 890 jump just having been revealed at $600, it seems as though they're attempting to balance its price based on the fact that it's the same size as the original Idris Corvette, about 140 meters. So Jeff, my question for you is this. Assuming that the persistent universe is eventually balanced to general satisfaction, will the ability to earn Arena Commander-specific credits help address your concerns? Personally, I think that the best thing CIG could do, particularly as a gesture of goodwill, would be to tie AC credits to testing as many aspects of Arena Commander as possible. Also, I just want to say that Guard Frequency is, hands down, one of the best shows which I have ever listened. Thank you for all your hard work, and thank you for reading my ridiculously long email. Cheers. I suppose I should comment on all this, uh, since he wrote such a long and detailed, and I appreciate Ben's thoughts and comments, uh, as always, and he makes some really good points. But the idea that what CIG is doing cash sales to the public versus what you earn, what you could earn in AC, for example, I think they're totally two different subjects. And my, and my problems aren't with the way Arena Commander is being handled or CIG in specific. It's just that there are real people that really want to play this game. And I believe that some don't have a disposable amount of income that a lot of people do have. Now, if you look at the numbers on RSI, a lot of people are buying this stuff, and that's good. That's good for RSI, and, and maybe that fuels the uh, the progression that all these ships should be outrageously expensive. But this is still Alpha, and it's still Arena Commander. And I think that, as we said earlier in the program, if we're buying these ships for us to play eventually play in the uh, Persistent Universe then I think they need to be scaled as such. And Sonny Ravencourt from Mognation writes in to say, Hey guys and girls, just throwing a line out there to some of my fellow pod and vidcasters. Mognation has its annual Star Citizen ship raffle coming up. It always creates a nice stir of controversy, but as you can tell, it does have the yellow text of approval at the top. 
Anyway, all the details you'll ever need are in here, and he gives us a link to the thread on the RSI website. It's all for charity, Extra Life, which hooks up to the Children's Miracle Network. They ran it last year and raised a boatload. You basically donate five bucks, and you get a raffle ticket. And based on how much is donated, a certain tier of prizes will be given away. It all goes down on October 25th. It's for a good cause, and they did it last year too. Just wanted to give us all a heads up. And yep highly encourage you guys to check it out firstly you can win ships who doesn't like winning ships that's right uh, i did it last year and i'll do it again this year and i highly recommend it you can even write it off on your taxes if you like uh so it's one you're getting or you could potentially get ships two you're helping out charity three you can do it as a tax write-off and it does come with moderator approval so if you had any concerns entering this might be a little bit eh, well fear not because they have had the moderator approval by will to say that it's all good to go ahead so yep go along sign up play the raffle help support charity it will be amazing Trent writes, hey guys, love the show. You're probably my favorite Star Citizen podcast. Just the right blend of content. Well, we appreciate your appraisal. Yeah. Take two parts content, three hosts, mix them all together, pop it in the oven at 450 degrees Fahrenheit for 20 minutes, and you too can have your own podcast. 20 minutes. I friggin' wish. What are we on now? <laughs> two hours? Yeah. This is why everybody should listen live. You get twice as much show per show. And from Twitter, Ken from Chicago writes, my choice for next Star Citizenship Search and Rescue. And we'll have a link in the show notes. He wrote a little short story about a search and rescue and what that might look like in the universe. Yeah, it is a fantastic little piece. Like Justin was saying, make sure you check it out. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. And also from Twitter, first first problems recommended guard frequency to Odin underscore Omen, who replied with, thanks, I've been listening to guard frequency. Good show. We, we kind of agree. And coming to us from our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash guardfreak. Well, we posted our show notes with the hashtag Gamergate, and it's pretty much like Tony to cause a whole conflagration on Reddit and then leave for a week. So we're going to let him handle all of the feedback from Reddit next week. And don't worry, I'll have 30 seconds on the clock. Yeah, I told him I might be community manager, but that's your business. <laughs> From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, Mark and Anonymous combined donated a total of $17.33. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And just a reminder of our community question, CitizenCon, your hopes, your dreams, your disappointment. We want to hear them. Let us know by commenting on this week's show post at GuardFrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at RobertSpaceIndustries.com. So, how was the show? Was it black, red, and blue? Or was it more grey market? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch. You can check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustry.com. Leave a comment on this week's episode show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or start an argument on our Reddit, guardfreak.reddit.com. Leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're lucky, I might just butcher your name live on the air. And if you're old school like us, well, why not shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 42 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 43, so be sure to keep your eye out for our show over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site sub forum. 
please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Well, if so, just send a note to squawkagardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe, so just head on over to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization guard frequency response at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash org slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 8 p.m. Central. That's Sundays at 2 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Command to 330, Carol 15, Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Our crowdfunding update for the 11th of October is $663. Wow, I've messed this up already. I should have just done it in pounds like you're, I did it last time I, I had know. to do this. You're, you're Skyping exactly on me else. and I can't... I... <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Oh, group. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's bad enough. To do a remake of Breaking Bad, but in engine. Yeah, nice. Oh, no, please. No, it's not. Oh. I didn't like the first episode, and I didn't like the last, so, oh well. Did you watch any of the middle ones? No. (laughs) (laughs) The Blue is a tougher version of the Cutlass for commerce interdiction and to support The Blue is a tougher version of the Cutlass for commerce interdiction and to support Advocacy. Oh, boy. Advocacy. Advocacy. Advocacy, 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 yeah. Make it look like a drink. (laughs) Spaceships are far more complex than an automobile. I mean, you know, um, they're, they're intimately more complex and, and I'll trust a, uh, a good engineer to make me look like something else only for the mission. If, you know, kind of like, uh, fire, was it firefly? Yeah. Fire or yeah. Fireplay movie where they, went against the reavers and they decided to disguise yes. the uh, uh, firefly as a, as a reaver ship, you know, it was only temporary and it was, you know, bailing wire and, and duct tape. So, <laughs> um, was a uh, firefly, the Asimov uh, TV show. Oh, stop. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Until October 17th, you can trust the quiet. Landmark has had the problem with phallic billings, but on the other hand, it would be nice to have people able to design some of the scenery. Isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? 
Mark and Anonymous combined uh, donated the Greetings, Sits and Sib. You're... Ah. Be sure to get a good fill for your thrust, and not only because that's what she said. A small push from your thrusters... <laughs> what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I almost made Sorry. it. Sorry.